Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are you ready to gamble all of your money? Welcome to The Gambling Show. Whoa. Sims, Fendrick, Lefko, back in the building. It's so amazing with this podcast how, like, I have I have some friends who, like, hate the gambling podcast and like our deep dive podcast. Yeah. And then I have other friends that are the exact opposite. I don't know why. I feel like we do why, good dives. I know. The... But some people just don't care about that part of it. They're I not into it. it. You know what I mean? We got something for everybody. Yeah. You right. Pick That's what, what we day you want to listen. That's what we try to do. And we're going to give you a little bit of all of that in Atlanta. Josh, you're here now. You've been manning the... The Sims and Lefko at gmail.com. Yep, we're blowing up. Yeah. It's going to be a packed house. Really? It's going to be a lot of fun. Whoop, whoop. 1942. I'm thinking I'm just going to buy a couple bottles of 1942 right when we get to Atlanta and just bring it to the bar. Oh, yeah. And I'll just be like, you, you guys are bring serving more this. More than a couple, okay? Because yeah. I'm good for one. We're just going <laughs> to have, we'll have one on the set yeah. and it'll just be continually replenished throughout the week. And then we'll put a few behind the bar and say, hey, Dantanas, you guys serve high-end tequila now. Congrats. These, yeah. these interviews are going to get saucy. <laughs> Tuesday at 5, Wednesday at 5, Thursday at 6, Friday at 4.30. We're going to be hanging out there. Uh, we're, like, we're, we have people coming up with like games and trivia. and like There's going to be a lot of guests that I'm not even allowed to say right now. But we're going to have a really good time. Really what we're trying to do is is kind of hang out with you guys yeah. because we've talked you've heard our voices in your heads now for so long isn't that a funny way to think about a podcast just voices in their heads you left the oven on <laughs> you did you got to turn around your chicken and go is back burning <laughs> uh, speaking of chickens burning that's when you're really going to get upset that oh no things are going awry and after a 4 and a week that's got to be what's going on in Sims's head <laughs> yeah. right now yeah all 10 dollars that i lost josh where are we in you want to do this money? now or you want to do coaches first? Uh, let, I just want an establishing. All right. So in terms of the money. If, if Now, if he was winning, we have already would have established this Monday, right, Tuesday, right, and right. Wednesday. But no, I like this when the Josh first time we're going to dive in all week on this one. Coming out of Wild Card Weekend, Sims, you are at 2,170 bleacher bucks. Whoop, whoop. Lefko, you are at 1,760 bleacher bucks. Okay. So what is that difference? I don't know. I'll do that. I don't do it's math 470. In my head, so. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So I right. took it from 480 to four seven you made Bam. 10 bucks yeah thanks to cody parkey unbelievable. Unbelievable. unbelievable the double doink made you 10 bleacher bucks How i didn't feel? know like till monday that he had a thing about an instagram thing about hitting posts oh, when he was yeah. out of the job 
You don't watch kicker kicker film? No, but I think that's like purposely trying to work on his aim by hitting posts. Right. I don't. I just wouldn't work on that. That would just not be. It's like I wouldn't practice throwing interceptions. I don't know. I just you know that I think that was kind of bad stupid. juju. Like it was cool, but right. Yeah, it's but bad hold juju. on. Timeout. He was using it as target practice to try and aim right, right. down. Find the Find a goalpost and aim it down the fucking middle and hit it that way. That's mm. right. You know, like Steph Curry doesn't go and You're like just go. Create- I'm going to try to. Knock it off the edge of the rim and never go in. Like, that's what it is, right? I mean, I don't know. It just seems weird. It messes with your karma is all I'm saying. I guess my thing was, like, does he not live around goalposts? Because he was doing it off light posts. Yes, right, right. I just thought that was funny and kind of just ironic. I don't know. I guess. You're right. I guess if you would have practiced, just put it right to the right of that post every time. It's just, And then that way, when he's doing he pretends the left post. Yes, right. I Uh, like juju. I like that word, how you use that. Bad juju? Yeah, that's like a... That's a... I feel like it's my Jewish friends only use that. Is that a Jewish nah, thing? No? That's just a thing that people say. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to di- get some news going. You're going to look at the etymology of juju. <laughs> my yep. wife asked me if it's okay for my little boy to say juke last night. That's great. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, is juke a bad word? And I was like, no, it means you fake somebody out. She's like, oh, okay, good. I heard Philip saying that a lot today. And I was worried that much like Jewish people deceived people in Merchant of Venice, yes. that my son would be deceiving them by pretending to go left and going right. <laughs> right. We're going to get there as a society. Yeah, we are. In 2025, Florio's going to go, and you can't say juke anymore, Sims. You can't <laughs> yeah. say juke. Yeah. Uh, we do have a hire. Adam Gase goes from Miami to New York. Yep. And if you're a Jets fan and you were on social media last night, you were told how bad the hire was the entire night. Is that welcome right? to Sims and Lefko, where you're going to get the counter opinion. Yes. I don't know who those people were. Because they're going to say Gase went down to Miami, right. blew up all the stars on the roster, blamed it on Tannehill, blamed it on all this stuff, and... He wasn't winning. That's that's what I was seeing on Twitter. Okay. Well, first of all, he doesn't blame it on Tannehill. He got fired there because he stuck up so hard for Tannehill all the time that it almost made himself look bad. If anybody's wondering, and Dominican Sue has been average in the Rams, and they're paying him like he's Aaron Donald. So that worked out okay. Jarvis Landry, you know, was good. But I think we've all seen that, okay, Jarvis Landry's not the superstar we all thought he was. I mean, at the end of the year, he was the third option in that pass game, right? What do you think of Gase so, with the Jets? So just to go there. But then, I, I'm a fan of Gase. You know that. You know, I, I sit there and evaluate his offense, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I'm just, whoa, blown away by his offense. But his game always has rhyme or reason to it. It's usually detailed as far as what they do on the offensive side of the ball. And they have a something that they're trying to accomplish on a weekly basis. The other things I like about Gase is he's a little bit Bruce Arians-ish where he, he joins the team with the quarterback and he goes through the fight with him. He, makes, he made Ryan Tannehill feel like we're a team. I'm just right? telling you that Sam Darnold really liked Gase when he met him. Great. So there you go. So I know Gase that. is a real dude. You know, yes. He's a dude that we would like. You would yes. go like, oh, could we go out of beer? And Gase would be one of the coaches you'd go like, we could have a beer and have real conversations I'm with him. I'm just going to say, though, yeah. I do not like that as a yeah. way of defending somebody right. because that's how George W. was defended for eight years. I get and that. And you enjoyed George W. too. I did. I I'm did. not saying George W. is a bad guy, but the number one thing was he's a president you like to have a beer I'm with. I'm just saying there's other coaches in the world where if we went out on a beer, you'd be like, man, this is really boring, and he's giving us coach speak. He's talking to us like it's still the media, and right? G- so that's what you're saying yes, is right. Gase is not afraid to admit faults, faults and admit his failure exactly. and to go, I fucked up yeah, here. Yeah, right. And this, is okay. and this gotcha. was fucked up about our situation. Like right. He can talk to you as a He'll real be person. real. 
He will be real. And gotcha. I think that's what rubs off on players. He tried to change the culture there in Miami. That's why he didn't want Seward or, or Landry there because he knew they were going to hold him hostage for money and everything like that. And it the wasn't internet really didn't like the fact that he brought your boy Dal Logan's either. Which is absolutely insane. I would argue that Dal Logan's offense was every bit as good as Matt Nagy's in Chicago last year, except he just didn't have Allen Robinson or Gabriel or, or Anthony Miller or Trey Burden or oh the whole offense right yeah that's right so they would have been the same exact offense they would have been the same offense if Dow was there Dow just became the scapegoat because people just went whoa they're not winning I mean the roster we talked about it a million times last year Tariq Cohen was their best receiver like literally lined up at receiver because they were like damn we don't have anybody else so we'll make Jordan Howard the running back and we'll make Tariq Cohen our wide receiver so Again, unqualified people making qualifying statements. Wipe that out of your brains, everybody. And people were what calling did, what it did everybody guys? Did you guys want Mike McCarthy? Is that what you wanted? Oh, okay. There's nobody in football that wants to hire Mike McCarthy right now. Jets fans, what did you want? Did you want Matt I don't think Rule? it's Jets fans. I don't okay. think it's Jets fans. Okay, so it's just other people jumping on. It's just the media. Right, okay. It's, okay. it, there's there's a few clusters of media that I'm seeing online. Yeah. There's the very qualified that yeah. when they say something, the word the world moves. Right. That's the Schefters, that's the Rappaports, that's right. the Josina Andersons. Right. They're typically information havers. Yep. Then there's this analytics community. Right. I would say at the forefront of that is Evan Silva of Roto World. But yeah. it's it's all of the guys at Roto World that they're looking at numbers and they're also looking at because look, I will also argue that the fantasy community yeah. is a very intelligent community right. because they're looking at football ball in an analytics way that this other group, which I would sure. say is sports writers. Right. Sports writers to me is the least knowledgeable and if you edit this, I'm going to get no, angry no, at not. you. Sports writers to me are the least knowledgeable. They're typically people that have been in this space for 30 to 40 years and they claim to watch film, but even if they did, I don't even know if they know how to watch film and they make very bold claims and they never have to deal with the repercussions. Mm. They're also the ones that are the best at writing tweets because they're used to writing headlines. Right. Those are the people that were right. really coming at Gase. Yeah. Also realize that right. we're having a huge backlash that there's been no minority hires. And I totally understand that. I understand that, that so, totally. Like, I completely agree with it, right. too. So the fact that Gase was hired and he wasn't winning in Miami, it's hitting on all of the accounts. And their offense wasn't good, even though you'd go, wow, Tannehill, his quarterbacks were Tannehill and Brock Osweiler, and all those people would say Brock Osweiler sucks, but they're going to blame Adam Gase for not winning with Brock Osweiler. Yeah. It's it's the same thing that I said about Sean McVay and right, outliers. Right. You acknowledge that Sean McVay is an outlier and then go, but let's hire a Sean McVay clone. Yeah, right. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And Gase, again, if Gase had a mistake in Miami too, he had total control over the roster, and I don't think that was right. So if I was going to put the negatives about what he did down there? Yes. Yeah, that would be what I would look at and go, yeah, his he, he couldn't balance both. He wasn't ready to be Bill Belichick there yet. And then he didn't have a lot of great minds in the front office to really build the team properly. Yes. I mean, you can't look at Miami and go, whoa, that's a talented team. They really messed that up. I mean, I no mean, one's going to go, you know what? It probably was Gase's fault because I have trust in Mike Tannenbaum. He Like, no one's ever going to say that. Exactly right. So he did well with Tannehill, right? He did well with Tannehill. Anybody can say what they They went 10-6, and six and he and Tannehill was hurt, and they went to the playoffs with Sean, Sean Moore, okay? Sean uh, Moore. Matt right? Moore. Matt Moore, excuse me. Remember? And Pittsburgh, yeah. right? So they lost that. Last year, they were in the conversation for the playoffs until the last few weeks of the season. So... 
Okay. And there was a lot of dysfunction that happened last year. We're talking in the, the 2017 season. 2018, they were competitive. Yeah, they weren't perfect, but they were, again, they in had the a conversation to, the to early December again. Right. And exactly. you look at their roster and go, how Who is even right. this defense? They always beat the teams they were supposed to beat. That's the one thing I like about Adam Gase. To me, which shows a tough coach, right? Um, and the other thing I like about Gase, he's shown no fear of New England. And if you're in the AFC East, True. your decisions have to be made about New England. They're the kings of the world, and they definitely own the AFC East. And you need a guy that can kind of combat the detailed toughness of New England and be the same way. That's why I think McDermott's going to give them a tough time, too, when my, they get a my team. My only other question for yeah. you on Gase is this. Right. Gase is a low hat brim, not a mumble talker, yeah, but yeah. I'm not here for the bullshit. Right? How's that going to play in New York? I, I it could go either way there. Right? I think because it will if he's be... winning, the yeah. New York's going to go. The New York media is annoying. Let him go. He's a good coach. But if it's not going well, it could really turn quickly on Gase. It definitely could. I think he fits what Jets fans are all about, though. Jets fans are blue-collar, right, no-nonsense. Giants fans are a little uppity and white-collar. You go to a Giants game, and it's a lot of older men drinking whiskey and smoking $50 cigars. Right. You go to a Jets game. It's jerseys, it's, Budweiser's, exactly. and Let's stand props. all game, and we're going to yell cusses at the other team, and we're going to cheer at our team, like, even I'm, though we're like 2-10, and 10, and we're going to go crazy for them. Like, and I'm, sure, I'm sure Giants fans would yeah. go, Oh, you have a chant? That's cute. Right. Like gi- the Giants would be like, "We're above chant." Like we don't spell out exactly. our name. And it's Jets old, fans it's are old like, "New York money." They punch them in the face and then be like, "J E T S." Right, Jets. right. And last thing I'll say yeah, about they're Gaze. firefighters. They are. It's it's the blue. That's why the Jets and Mets were invented. Nobody could get tickets to see the Yankees and Giants because you had to be rich to have the season tickets there. Uh, last thing I'll say about Gase, too. You got a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. First of all, who were the options that were out there that were better than Adam Gase, right? Okay. The Jets have had this long lineage of defensive coaches. Have you noticed that? I mean, the Jets haven't hired an offensive coach since, I don't even know, was Rich Kotite an offensive coach? But it was. Yes, he was. It Rex, went Parcells, Bowles. Belichick, Bowles, Herman Ed- Herm Edwards, uh, Rex. Uh, Rex. So there's five coaches in a row that have been all defense. It's good to see them change that aspect yeah. of it. And. Whether you like Tannehill or not, Gase made him outperform. Jay Cutler had a career year in Gase's last year in Chicago. Okay, He made Tim Tebow a feasible uh, quarterback. And I know we're all going to sit here and go, well, yeah, Coach Peyton Manning, he didn't need Peyton Manning. Hey, I get that. But if he was really horrible, you would have heard that Peyton Manning hated Adam Gase. And I know that's not the truth. I know Peyton Manning really respected Adam Gase. And I would also say Gase was smart enough to realize when when uh, Peyton Manning's like physical skills started to go down. Lefko, he was very good at going. Okay, we'll throw you know seven bubble screens and twenty four pick plays a game, and not try to make you throw the ball down the field because that's not your strength anymore. So I think those are all positive. I think the reason and this is I'm going to wrap it up on this. Yeah, I think the reason the fantasy and the analytics community turned on Gase mm-hmm. this year is because of Kenyon Drake. Every time I went to these websites to research for our shows and get ready for all that stuff, it was, why is the best player in your team not getting the ball? Yeah. And it's truly the question that I still have sure. left unanswered. Sure. Because when I watched the Texans game that Thursday night football, when I watched Kenyon Drake against the Patriots, I went, 
this guy needs to be featured. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because he was an impending free agent and they were trying to get the market down or if they were just trying to make history with Frank Gore. We had a fumbling problem. Yes. That's and, true. and they didn't trust him, I don't think, for the early part of his career. That's the one thing I've, you know, Drake, Kenyon Drake, even coming out of Alabama, that was the MO on him, that he was a little immature that way and he needed to be, you know, more professional. You ready to break news? You ready to break? News? Are you ready? Are you ready for Sims to say something? Yes. That you're going to go. I Let's need to get that. a quote card made. Hit me. There is rumors right now that Kyler Murray is going to enter the NFL draft. <laughs> there are rumi- rumors that the Oakland A's are going to let him perform in the combine. I'm not even going to look at him. Yep. Sims, look at me. You've believed this before the championship game. What kind of a career do you think Kyler Murray would have in the NFL? Well. Um, I, I think. Listen, Kyler Murray can don't be a, just get to the point. Kyler Murray can be a star in the NFL. I, I don't give a damn what his height is or whatever it is. An inch and a half shorter than Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield was the number one pick, then I don't think Kyler Murray should be too far off. He's faster than Baker Mayfield. His arm is just as strong. This is not what I was expecting. So no, you were. Oh no, my bad, my bad. Damn, you it. picked the wrong quarterback. I did. You said champion. Are you, are you ready to make news? Sims, this is. But wait, Kyler Murray. What, what, we're what, there. what kind of a career would Tua Tungavailoa have in the NFL? Oh, okay, okay. That's where you wanted to go with this. I didn't mean to. I fucked up. <laughs> all right, but either but just way, say, give your Tua Tungavailoa with Kyler Murray. First of all, okay. Damn just it. we got to say that he believes. Just, just, just I'll get there. Oh, Shut up. Damn. Kyler Murray is really talented, though. I mean, he's a freak of nature in a lot of ways. So, so okay. So now going back to Tua at Alabama, you know. We're, we're, all I want is the one sentence. T- Tua, for me at this point, is not a first-round quarterback. I don't know what else to say there. I got to see more. Um, Tua's arm looked tired towards the end of the year. Uh, I'm not in love with Tua's size or athletic ability necessarily, or, or his body type. And I don't think his arm is first-round eliteness. Everybody out there, don't get it. Jalen Hurst was 24 and two with Alabama, and he can't throw. All right, so, so I, could, I botched. So, that. but Tua though. He could be a successful NFL player, but I just don't see top end talent right now. That would be my big point. And I he do. I hear some people going like, "Oh, he's a he's a future first rounder." You know, no, he was the second best quarterback in that game the other night for sure. He plays small, and yeah, I just need to see more. And right now, if you made me make that assessment, I would go, "No, Tua is not a NFL first round quarterback. I'm not sure he's really a starting NFL quarterback. I would think he'd be more of a career backup." And that's what I thought it was going to be. And for some reason, I thought it was about Kyler Murray. Either so, way, we'll but, see where it goes. And again, but screw if I'm two, wrong. Two, two is not coming right. out. But Kyler, so you really think he could be that sensational. So Cliff Kingsbury looking in the camera and going, he should be the first pick in the draft. He's that special. You see all those things pop. Yeah, I do. Even I do. at 5'9", yeah. 190. Right. We're, I, we're, talking, we're talking three inches smaller. We're talking like 20 pounds lighter. Is that what they say he is, 5'9"? Like five nine and a half. I thought he was like. I thought they said it was like five ten and a half or five eleven. Either way, no. I, I, it's a different age in the NFL. He is been a quarterback for a long time. He knows how to see through lanes, just like Baker did. And yeah, I think he's a special talent. You have told me before yep. that if your son, who right. if any of you saw our Instagram, has wild athletic ability for an eight year old, mm-hmm. was going to be venturing into two sports, baseball or football. Yeah. You've told me you'd nudge him to baseball. I would like, yes. The sensible humans go, you can get guaranteed money in an MLB. Right. But then your heart goes, yeah. yeah, but if I go to the Major League Baseball, you're not going to see me for three years. Yeah. I'm going to be in Toledo and Chico and Fresno. Right. And if and I can't th- hit the screwball, then I might never get to where I'm going, you know? But 
you could always pull a Drew Henson, and you could always play baseball for a while, right. and then come back and try and play football. But this kid, you could tell, loves football. Loves. You fo- could tell that that's his passion. His heart's in football, and that's hard to go against your heart. And it's you know, quarterback's not the type of position you can go bass baseball to back, uh, back to football. You're whatever not going to do be. the Dion. You're not going to do the Bo no, Jackson. They were running backs and corners. Yeah. They were reaction sports, reaction positions. Right. My question for you is. Yeah. Why is it that there's this love of football? Like, you've been a high-profile athlete in basketball, baseball, and football at the high school level, and then you chose football. What is it about football that you can't get rid of that itch? There's something about the camaraderie, the locker room. football than the other sports? I, I do think it is because of this reason. Because it's one game a week, and it's that big, and you're in it together, and there's just something about there's nothing like... Hey, listen, I'm sure baseball players... A winning locker room. A winning locker room or the adrenaline you get when you walk on the field and it's Texas, Oklahoma, and you go, whoa, like baseball is cool, but holy crap, we're going to battle with this team and the fans are about to battle. You're only going to get that in like the one game wild card playoff for Major League Baseball. It's a drug. Or game seven of the World Series. It's a drug. It's a really? drug because you go, yes, that feeling. I just got the chills talking about it. I mean, so for you, it's more of the fact that there's less games and there's so much more pressure on those moments right. that the moments are bigger than the other sports. They're moments. bigger. You love it's the them. first time I've heard that, and it makes a lot of sense. You thrive in it. You know, if you really love the sport, you just go. That's why I'm playing. I went to Texas because I was like, I want to play in front of a hundred thousand every week. Mm. That's amazing. Like, mm. I can't wait to do that. Even when we had like Northwest South. Eastern Missouri State come to town, the stadium was full. And I was like, this is amazing to be a part of. I just got a phone call. Yeah. It was Kyler. And he said, ask Sims what his advice would be. Yeah. So I'll pass it along to him, but I just tell our podcast. I would say my advice to Kyler Murray would be to follow your heart. Because mm. if you don't follow your heart, you're always going to be second-guessing yourself and going, you're not going to be all in on the other uh, on the thing that you're doing. So if your heart's in football and you're trying to do baseball, you're not going to be all in on baseball. I don't. You can fool yourself, but at some point you're going to wake up one morning and go, damn, I, the last 30 days in a row I've woke up thinking about football and I'm sitting here playing baseball. Why am I doing that? Can you imagine knowing that you would have been a first-round pick of the NFL draft, but you're on a bus in single A? Yeah, right. That's got to be... And, and it was funny because when this happened, Oakland was like, here's four and a half million. And it's like, that's not that much when he gets drafted in the first round with the signing bonus and all right, that stuff. Right, exactly right. I mean, he can get more guaranteed money probably at the top of the second round than that, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's about what he loves. If he is 5'10", 190. This, yeah. You know, again, I haven't watched That's really film. tiny, bro. It is really tiny, but damn. You know, but he, Baker's six foot, like 215, 220. It didn't look like that big of an issue in the Alabama game. You know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but once they got going, it was, uh uh-oh, here we go. Do you think the fact that we have a Patrick Mahomes who was, like, a baseball guy, too, and he turned down and had success is, like, even motivating him further? And it's so recent? I think that. And they have, like, the same hair? (laughs) You're right. You're right. I mean, he's a ball of muscle. He is legit explosiveness. Oh, Kyler. Yeah. Yeah, and his ability to throw is real. And you know what? This is another thing I'll, t- I'll give you, a little food for thought, that I put stock into these type of things. I heard Baker Mayfield talk about Kyler Murray about six weeks ago, and he kind of said, like, oh, if you don't think Kyler Murray is, like, super, super talented freak show, then you're I don't know what you're watching, okay? And 
you know, he said the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So he's not the, the kind of guy that throws around like bullcrap comments like that. What did he say about Davis Webb, though? <laughs> I don't know. He couldn't talk because he was surrounded by binders. Some the people, auto- his arm is so strong. It's almost too strong. It may be too strong. All right, strong. so you are, you are a, you're a Kyler Murray. You, it just goes to something that you've always said. It's when you watch a game and someone jumps off the screen right. all the time. He could probably play at the next exactly level. Exactly right. just doesn't seem to matter if it's a bad play, a good play, whatever it is. You just go, whoa, he seems to wow. make it work. Here, here I was ready for this fiery Kyler Murray take, and it was just him saying that Tua is going to be a career backup in the NFL. That's which right. is Which is a very good take, too. Yeah, we, well, well, and again, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to go, damn, I've misevaluated or whatever. He I don't could come to back be, next year and develop be a bigger, lot more. stronger, right, fix a few things with his passing mechanics. The, the one thing I want to say before we get to these picks, yeah. the, the willingness of people in the media and fans to write off an athlete at the age of like 22 is is insane which is not what we're doing here right right, right. Just evaluating what, what, him at this point no what i'm what i'm saying though is like when i went had that soccer phase when i first started here and i was obsessed with everton they had this defender his name was uh, uh john i can't remember what his name was like it wasn't john snow but i'm just gonna say john snow yeah and i was like this kid sucks and I went on Twitter, and like eight people said, "Dude, he's 19," and he ended up like having a good career after that. Right. But it's like for people to go, "Lamar Jackson can't do this right now." Yeah. Okay. He's the youngest quarterback to ever go to the playoffs. He's gonna develop, you goof. Right. But if but Eli is not gonna develop. That's past. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Right. How do you feel about your picks? How do you feel about your four picks? I feel pretty good. I feel good. I mean, I'm always a little nervous about where I allot the money, but. Did you lie to me at all yesterday? Not at all. Hundred okay. percent told you everything. It very much influenced my picks. Good. Okay. I'm so, not. I'm. Not, I'm just not smart enough to really bullcrap. I can't remember my own bullcrap. So. Nor should you, because if yeah. you lied to our podcast, exactly. That's Sims what I was stressed do. moving his money around today. Yeah, I it's a stressful thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Ready to get going here. First game of the weekend. Four thirty-five on Saturday. The Indianapolis Colts visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Weather in Kansas City on Saturday. Potential for snow. Yes. Accumulation less than one inch. Yes. Chance of snow fifty percent. Keep that in mind. Right. Can you hide that? This is your picks. Uh, did you say it? I'll turn oh, it over. So it's your oh, pick. good. It's I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just. I don't even want to see it. Yeah. Spread in this game: Kansas City minus five and a half. Sims, take it away. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited for that type of weather for that yep. football game. Arrowhead, I will. I'm going to be there. there. Yep. On when the field. can people watch you? It's, uh, I believe the pregame starts at no, three, three o'clock. o'clock. So um, let's do what we always do: take pictures of Sims, and we're going to make captions. If you want to take videos of Sims, we're going to make fun of him too. Yep. Hopefully, you fuck up. I'm, just, I'm letting you know. I usually root for you. Yeah. I'm hoping that you're like, I forgot what I was going to say. That's what I'm rooting for. That's what I did yesterday on the show. Did you, you really? Know? Yes. I had to admit it. I was in the middle of a point, and I was like, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, and we had to go to commercial. If you could <laughs> accidentally call Florio Lefko, which I know you'd never do, I'd appreciate it. Okay, back to you. Bring and, it down. Uh, so, yeah, and I think I'm starting the game from, like, inside the tunnel, outside the Colts locker room. Are you doing like, a walk and talk? I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm in a bunch of segments. You're, they're so going to we'll make you be goes. like, and here outside the Chiefs lot. <laughs> but I'm going to get to see <laughs> my homie, my homie, my homie. Oh, yeah, are you Whatever doing? he throws, I go. Is that a G-Unit thing? What a throw. 
No, that's my buddy. You, it's probably a little before your time. No, no, no there, but there was a rap song called oh, "My Buddy." You're right. I forgot about that. I song. thought that's what it was. No, I was G-Unit. truly going from the my my, and he's talking about his gun. Yeah. Wherever I go, yeah. he goes. Well, he still stole that from I think the doll that you know was my buddy as we were growing up. Did you guys have my buddy? No, and you didn't have kids. I sister. saw. I've seen my right. buddy. So that was a big deal when I was growing up. I never had one, but they were a big deal. Um, but I had Beanie Babies. Beanie that Babies. Yeah, I remember I was that. All over Beanie. I remember yes. that. Yeah. Okay, where should I start here? Uh, let's start with the Colts offense versus the Chiefs defense. Okay, um, you know, in a lot of ways, hey, we know the Chiefs defense is not that great. To me, the key of the game is can the Chiefs get the Colts to third down? That would be a big thing for that side of the ball. The Chiefs defense, you know, we've talked about it all year. That's where they can be dangerous and do some off the cuff things to confuse an Andrew Luck or a Frank Reich and play calling situations. Where I really worry about them is in first and second down. You know, It's not a defense that's ultra-talented. We've discussed that a million times. Their game is all about 95, 55, and 50, ruining the football game. It's going to be hard to do against the Colts, okay, and the Great Wall of Indianapolis, because it's the best O-line in football. It's the best O-line left in this playoffs. And that's saying something because there's a lot of good O-lines left. And because they're so young, it's a wall that Ballard really isn't have to pay for No, right he's going to make Jim Irsay pay for yeah, it. Jim Irsay's going to pay right. for that Right, I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee it. We didn't talk about this last week. Yeah. Irsay drunk in the locker room after the game was incredible. Like, I don't know how we didn't talk about, hey, Quinn, what? him being like, listen, man, I'm so happy for you guys, but Dude. like, if you guys could score like over 31 next week, I'd appreciate it. But like, honestly, not to make this all about me, I'm happy and I see potential in you. I see, I watched Munoz, okay? It's Dude. not bad. Dude. It's spot on. Pretty good. It's like, fucking spot on. It's like I'm in my box and I'm ripping a Marlboro and I'm like, Quinn, good block, man. So proud of you guys. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. And I really enjoyed watching Frank Reich just stand there and like try to, you know, they're yes. trying to be the yes. loyal soldiers. But I'm sure they were all like, what? Where is he going with this? Um, it was like watching a best man speech, yeah. and Frank Reich was the groom, and he's like, I shouldn't have let this guy speak at my wedding. Yeah. Like, that's what it looked like. I, I know. But he's the owner and a billionaire, and you got to do that. So, uh, But either way, you know, hey, I expect the Colts to be able to move the ball on the Chiefs, especially when the emotions of the game settle down. Mm. That's going to be the big thing for the Colts early on. This is a different Chiefs team. They got Patrick Mahomes. The fan base knows about all their record with, you know, losing at home. You know, uh, I heard a cool stat today. Um, you know, the, the the Chiefs are two and two in home playoff games, and the Colts are two and two two and two at playing in mm. in Kansas City in playoff games. But uh, I think the big thing is, yes, dealing with those early emotions, the crowd noise. That will be the toughest part for the Colts early on. Now, to flip it around to the other side, you know, if anybody listened to our deep dive podcast that we tape on Wednesday, comes out Thursday morning, you know, the one thing I worry about with the Colts, their front seven, they create a lot of chaos, their speed, it's hard to run on them because they do create a lot of chaos and you have to sort out the blocking. And when I say sort out the blocking, you know, when defensive line are slanting one way, it's hard for O-line to figure out how they're going to block their particular play when, you know, guys aren't exactly where they thought they were going to be. Um, but the biggest thing with the Colts and their defense is, of course, you know, 
Their secondary is not ultra talented. We know that. It's just it's not a great group. They really rely on scheme, being soundness, not letting up big plays, all of those type of things. Kansas City, especially if they have a Sammy Watkins, uh, I think is going to be a really tough matchup for this Colts defense. Uh, I think just like the Colts will be able to slow down the Kansas City pass rush, I really expect um, Kansas City to slow down the Colts pass rush as well. And the Colts' pass rush is not as talented as Chris Jones, you know, Houston, and D Ford. Not at all. Um, If I'm Kansas City, you're not really a running team, so run to keep them honest. But the game is going to be won with Patrick Mahomes' big right arm. I really envision this game as— How do you see it? I really see Kansas City coming out and jumping on them. Uh, And, like, maybe going up, like, 28-7. to That's what I think could happen here. But— Captain Andrew will be calm in this manner. And, yeah, I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm betting $10, okay, on the Indianapolis Colts. Okay? Just $10. Um, But the big – and I'm picking the score to be 38-34. But as I said – Which would be the over, obviously, if you score 72 points. Right. But I I just – I do. I think the emotions, Mahomes, read with a week off – is going to have some plays, especially against a defense that doesn't do a lot of stuff. He's going to have some new wrinkles, and I do. I see it coming out like 28-7, to and then it's 28-14, to and then it's 28-21, and then it's 35-21, and then it's 35-28, and then, you know, Kansas City kicks a field goal to go up 38-28, Luck scores another touchdown late, and they got to kick an onside kick to see if they can win the game. That's how I kind of see it playing out. So the 38-34, sorry. 38-34, you said it. Uh, the thing with the Chiefs that everyone's bringing up right now is their history of poor performances at home in the playoffs. Right. Uh, all time at home in the playoffs, they're 2-7. and seven, I know. And their two wins were during the first half of the 90s. And even in those two games, the yeah. Chiefs didn't cover the spread. Yeah. They got lucky to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers with Joe Montana. They are straight up over their last 12 playoff games going to January 1994, 1-11. That is straight up and against the spread. And that includes an 0-6 mark in home games mm-hmm. in that time. Right. Now let's go. And, and the thing that I wrote down is all of these stats or trends are BPM, before Patrick Mahomes. That's exactly right. That's the point. And the thing is, is I look at the, the Chiefs team that lost to the Titans last year where they were up 18. I look at the Chiefs team that lost to the Steelers a few years ago where the Steelers didn't score any touchdowns and the Chiefs still lost that game. And we talked game. about all the wide-open receivers we saw in that game and Alex Smith when throw it down the field. When you have Alex Smith as your quarterback, right. you are playing not to lose. Yes. When you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you're playing to take someone's soul. Right. Here's the problem, though. The Chiefs in their last five home games this year, one and four against the spread. Mm. They have not been beating teams by as much as they should have been, quote-unquote, right. right. the last five games. What I did – oh, so the other thing I looked up is luck outdoor in the playoffs. Four touchdowns. Nine interceptions right. in four games. Right. Only one game over 300. Two of them were but against... I'm going to say this. Yeah, okay. Two of them were in New England. Okay, thank you. One of them was in Baltimore. One of them was in Denver. Denver. Right. And he beat Denver and Peyton Manning. Think about how good those defenses are that I just named. Exactly right. The Chiefs do not have that defense. No, and those Colts were outmanned. So that's right. What I did for all of these games pretty much 
was what is the perfect game flow for the Chiefs and what would be the perfect game flow for the Colts? Interesting. And then I thought in my head, what's more likely? Mm-hmm. By the way, I went back and watched that Chiefs-Raiders game and that pick six by the Chiefs, what the fuck was Jared Cook doing? I, he must have thought it was a run play. It, when I watched that game, I went, wow, the Raiders really did they move the ball there, whenever yeah. they wanted to. Uh-huh. But then, like, Josh, like it's like 7 nothing, Yeah. And, and Derek Carr throws it in the flat, and Jared Cook is looking at the sideline. Yeah. And then, like, the Chief guy just takes it to the house, and I was like, okay, so the Chiefs were operating well, but they weren't beating the crap out of this team. No. I just wanted to see that. Yeah. The perfect Colts game flow. Mahomes starts slow. They, they, they stop them on a third down early. Yep. Luck in the offensive line. Do what they did to Houston where they're able to push the ball down the field. Colts game uh, flow. The Colts game yeah. flow. A lot of Marlon Mack kind of setting the tone. They're getting the T.Y. Hilton play. They're getting the Ebron kind of working those guys. And they keep Patty on the sideline and Luck stays up. That's mm-hmm. a perfect game flow. If the Colts get the lead early... It's a battle back and forth the entire game. Yeah, The perfect Chiefs game flow was Sammy plays, because we don't know if Sammy's playing yet. I know. Sammy could be that surprise scratch Saturday morning, and all of a sudden we have no idea. He did practice. Can you look that up? He did. Yeah, he did. Right. But, but he's no, still limited. Key. It's a big key. But the perfect Chiefs game flow is Tyreek and Sammy are getting 40-plus yard plays. The Chiefs jump out to a huge lead, like you said, rendering Marlon Mack and the Colts' running game useless. And that pass rush of the Chiefs gets to go, we get to come at Glowinski all the time. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote that down, I wrote in bold and parentheses, I can still see Luck making a comeback. Five and a half is too much with that Chiefs defense. I could see the Colts winning this game. I don't have them winning this game. I see more likely what you said, which is what I wrote in my notes. Chiefs build a lead, and then Luck gets to go, we're going to do isolated matchups and find a way to get back in this game. The thing that scares me the most, there are very negative splits about Luck outside in the cold and T.Y. Hilton outside in the cold. But I also think in games like that, the running game could be a big thing. Definitely. And I trust Marlon Mack and that offensive line yeah. more than I trust Spencer Ware or whoever's Damian Williams yeah. and the Chiefs offensive line. Mm-hmm. I, too, will put $10 on the Indianapolis Colts plus five. <laughs> Yeah. Anything else on that game before yeah. we move on? It was good. That that's a game where I think you're going to feel comfortable with the Chiefs. You're going to be looking at it and being like, "Man, we're I'm up 17." And then Luck's going to start coming back and you're going to be going, "Stop them." And you're going to go, "I'm relying on the Chiefs defense to stop this team." Yeah, right. I don't think the Colts have faced a passing offense like this all year. Right. But I wrote this down. Eberflus. I have faith in, in, in defensive coordinator Eberflus more than I have in Bob Sutton figuring out how to do that there. Sure. I don't think the Colts' defense is as passing defense is nearly as bad as the Chiefs. Definitely not, Lefko. Not even Definitely close. Not. Right. And so I'm kind of hoping the Colts are going to do a little specific game plan, take away Kelsey, take away 
a hill. I mean, of course, they're going to try to take those away. It's not in their DNA, to at least my evaluation at this point. Okay, please. To take teams away because they're not really a man-to-man they're team. A zone team. So that's what the issue is I there for them. I guess more that I'm putting that's more where. people in their zones. No, but Eberf- exactly right. That's what Eberflus could do. He's going to find ways to flood the areas he thinks Kelsey, Kelsey gets the ball. Stop the Kelsey slant. Right. Stop the Kelsey over the middle. Exactly and then right. don't let Hill go deep. Right. That's what they'll try to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Next game, 8-15 on Saturday night. The Dallas Cowboys visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Weather in L.A. on Saturday. Rain in the morning. Mm. Chance of rain in L.A. in the morning. Slow track. Mostly cloudy at night. 50 degrees is the low. Ooh. Spread in this game, L.A. minus 7, Chris. 50 degrees. Uh, the Rams might have to put snowsuits on. Um Slow track favors the Dallas Cowboys. I'll just say that right off the bat. It's going to definitely favor the bigger team anytime you have a slower track like that. So uh, that will be something to watch for. Okay. Hey, the Cowboys match up really well with the Los Angeles Rams. We know that, right? Okay. Um, If we just go to that side of the ball, there's a lot of things where you look at and you go, oh, yeah, you feel good. Now, there's going to be a few things, too, that you're not going to feel too good about. All right? You know, the first thing, if we just go Rams offense versus Cowboys defense, that's the marquee matchup. You know, hey, of course, it scares me to death that Sean McVay had time off last week. We talked about that on the the Wednesday pod. You know, I would think they spent two to three days on the Cowboys because they had knowledge of the other teams they might have had to play. Um you know, the I, I certainly expect them to have some new plays and new formations. Um, the Todd Gurley factor, how healthy is he, sure. is certainly a real issue. The offense goes through Todd Gurley. He is weapon number one. He really makes the pass game go, the run game go, the screen game go. He is that elite factor in their offense where teams have to tip their hand of what they want to do because they're worried about him. If he's not at 100%, that's an issue. Of course I worry about the interior O-line against the Rams, against this Cowboy front. This Cowboy front is the real deal Holyfield. They have no weakness to their defense. There's none. The only weakness you're going to get with the Rams is what we talked about. I mean, the Cowboys defense is what we talked about. Maybe being too over-aggressive. Oh, it's a outside zone to the left. Let's all fly over there and get Todd Gurley. Oh, crap. Jared Goff kept it out the backside, and there's a wide-open Robert Woods coming across the formation for an easy 20-yard game. Those are the things that scare me. You know, you talk about, like, Eberflus. I feel the same way about the Cowboys. They are a pretty good zone team, but the difference between them and maybe a Colts team is they can man you the F up. They can man you up and get in your face when they want to. And I don't know – I don't think they're going to be very scared of Woods and Cook other than game plan stuff that they know can stress them out. But I think, like, if it's a static formation, Byron Jones and Chidobe Awuze, who's – Awesome. I mean, they're both awesome. I think they're going to be right in the face of Woods and Cooks, and they're going to be like, I don't think you guys could run by us. I think that's the way they could play in some certain situations. The fact that you think Sean McVay is going to line up Cooks in a static formation is insane. Well, I mean, he could in certain times. Well, yeah, we'll see. It's just something to watch out for. Yes, McVay is going to do his best always to get Cooks off. That's what he does. Um, so, yes, there's certainly going to be easy completions for Cooks sure. at some point during the game. Now, to flip it around to the other side. And like I said, we got to make sure we get to that. I am always worried about 65 and 66 on the interior offensive line for the Los Angeles Rams, especially on third down when all of a sudden Demarcus Lawrence is inside and Tyrone Crawford is outside. They have so many good pass rushers. The, the the Dallas Cowboys. How about Malik Collins coming back and being so impactful in yes, that Seattle game? I know. That was a name where I was like, I've been staring at him on the injury list for so long this year, and to see him come back in there, he was a huge game wrecker. He's a game wrecker. Antoine Woods is a very good yes. player, too. I mean, uh, They're very good at finding that body type. Right. 
They, they really are. You're exactly. It's a, Rod, Mar- it's a Rod Marinelli yeah. key, and and of course the linebackers in the middle are going to be very tough on Gurley in the screen game and all of that. Now to get to the other side of the ball, Dallas. Okay, yeah, I, I worry again. Wade Phillips. He's I would think going to have a few things up his sleeve as well. Um, I worry if Dallas got behind like fourteen nothing early. I think that could be Troubleville. Okay, because I mean Dallas is just not made to be in shootouts. And Dak Prescott's been playing really good. That continues. The way he's throwing the football, hanging in the pocket, all of that. I am most concerned about one thing. Connor Connor Williams Williams on Aaron Donald. That is my biggest issue of this football game. And that's what's scary. Of Billy Madison playing dodgeball in kindergarten. Right. I mean, it's a it's a scary aspect right there. Connor is certainly the weak link, and they are going to have to do things to help him out if they can in certain scenarios or try to avoid Aaron Donald's side of the ball or whatever that may be. Okay. Um I think the Cowboys will run the ball on this defense. But I think because of the Cowboys' lack of imagination in the pass game, it's going to allow the Rams to maybe put a little more eggs in the let's-stop-the-run basket, right? I I do see that happening. And when you have a bunch of, you know, hey, they got a bunch of badass mofos on that side of the defense too, you know, they're going to be keyed in on Ezekiel Elliott. But I do worry about the Cowboys just mashing that Rams D-line downhill, smaller linebackers, Mark Barron, Littleton. I do worry about that. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going with the team that's been the most consistent through the year, okay? And I'm, wow. I am going with the Rams. The Rams are going to win this football game. But I am betting 790, 790, 790 dollars on the Dallas Cowboys to cover this spread. I will be shocked. My feet might still be on the ground, but we're going to ride them. Um, but um, You would be shocked if? I would be shocked if the Rams blew them out. That's where I would be shocked. I won't be shocked if either team wins the football game. If Dallas won the game, I'm not going to be. Like, That's I mean, one of the funniest things you ever said. Right. You, I, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if either team won the football game. <laughs> well, either. you know what I mean. I'm, I mean, I won't be shocked if the Cowboys win gotcha. the game. That's what I mean to say. But I would in be fact, shocked. In fact, I'd bet. That one, one of these of teams does? is going to win this Damn, game. where can I find that bet? That would be um, incredible. Um, so I'm picking the Rams to win 24-23. to 23. I think the Rams are going to be losing in this game, 23-21. And Goff and company are going to make a late fourth quarter drive mm. to, win, to kick a game-winning field goal. The Cowboys are going to get the ball back mm. to have a chance to go down. And Aaron Donald's going to get a sack fumble, and the game will be over. So uh, I just have my stream of consciousness. I'm just going to go through this. Yeah. Uh, first thing I looked at was, wow, the Cowboys beat the Saints. Something's in- coming here. I just know it because, Josh, I know both of your poker faces. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys 3-5 and five on the road this season. You went 790 on the Rams? I don't know yet. <laughs> Cowboys were 3-5 and five on the road this season. And the reason I looked that up was – they beat the Saints at home. And we have yeah. all we have all these memories, the Seattle Seahawks. We have all the memories of how good Dallas is at home, but we forget the games on the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dak was so good against the Giants. 
Guys, they let up 30-something points to the Giants on the road. Yeah. They lo- they let up 23 points to the Colts and play like crap on the road. They're a different team on the road. Yeah. Dallas, to me, is that emotional team that your dad talked about. Mm-hmm. They get super high at home and motivated, and they came out that way last week. Yeah. And I don't know if they're that great at the everyone's betting against us. They're really like the every we're America's team. Right. Uh, I also looked it up. Which is I'm what I'm betting they're feeling like right I now. I got you. Oh, last question. Other thing. Just Holy to, fuck, does he interrupt me and I'll interrupt oh, him. In only this. other thing this is, is unbelievable. I just wanted to, who do you think is going to have more fans there at the game? Oh, that's a good point. Probably yeah, Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Dallas. Yeah, go ahead. Dallas has 39 sacks this season. 26 of them were at home. Yeah. So they only had 13 sacks on the road, which I think – is the key to Dallas winning this game. I wrote down, if Jared Goff is having shit pants day, it's over. <laughs> Dallas is winning this game. Mm. If it's Jared Goff like looking at the rush and like falling back and throwing, this game's over. Yeah. And and that's the scariest thing. So that that's why I looked that up. I looked it up. The last few road games for the Cowboys, Giants let up all those points. Colts lost 23 to nothing. Falcons, their offense put up 22 points. Eagles, kind of those late plays or whatever. They were 3 and 1, but all they were it was not the same Dallas team that we've seen at home. The Rams, over their past six games against teams that made the playoffs this year, against the spread, 0-5-1. Mm. 0-5-1. Oh, so you're going all Cowboys here? I don't know. I looked so at it. I, I don't like being in the league. I, I wrote this, and I, I had it in bold. I have a few things in bold with this game. I felt very confident about this game. The Rams are not going to be afraid of pressing the wide receivers of the the Cowboys. And I think when you were telling me about the simplicity of the offense, I think Wade's going to go, we're going to stop the run. And I feel very confident putting Aqib Tlaib or Marcus Peters on Amari Cooper. The true thing is, is like, sure, Michael Gallup catches a touchdown. But like, are you really afraid of Michael Gallup beating you for an entire game? I'm not. Valid points. Um, the other thing I thought was I went back and watched Rams Niners because I didn't watch any of that game. Yeah, and they were playing like people possessed, like that defense against the Niners, where yeah. we kind of thought they were like Aaron Donald was in the backfield sending balls straight up in the air, and it made me think this: if Aaron Donald gets a sack, that Cowboys drive is rendered useless. Mm-hmm. That, that drive is over. If it's second and 17, the drive is over. If Also, the other thing I thought was, uh, uh, I'm trying to save some of my points for the end here, but I just I just think that Aaron Donald's going to, like, they're, they're teeing off. I think they're the, they're the most disrespected team that's currently alive of the eight. They're the forgotten team with the bye right now. Right. Um, I also thought that the Cowboys struggled a little bit on the road versus Indiana with a wide receiver with speed in T.Y. Hilton. And they haven't really faced a lot of wide receivers with speed. I thought Tyler Lockett got off uh, a little bit last week. You're going to have your opportunities. I think that Cooks and them are going to have some opportunities. Remember, Tyler Lockett got 70 yards on one play. This is the first road playoff game for Dak and Zeke. They've played in the playoffs and they've played well. But both of those games have been at home. Mm-hmm. In fact, I went back. It's the only road playoff game for almost the entire team, except for the Dez catch game. Yeah. And they weren't really that great in that game either. Um, here are my perfect game flows. Mm-hmm. A perfect Cowboys game flow. The guards are an issue. 
Jared Goff is hit early and often. Gurley looks slow and rusty and cannot run outrun those Dallas linebackers. And they're able to control the game with Zeke. Rams cannot stop that running game no matter what. And they're able to catch Marcus Peters a few times with Cooper over the top. That's the perfect Cowboys game. The perfect Rams game, in my mind, is misdirection and a lot of different plays to get Dallas all over the place. Mm-hmm. They do what we've been saying teams do when they have success against Dallas, and they spread them out. McVay gives Goff a lot of easy completions early in the game to get them comfortable. They get a little bit of lead. Cowboys stop running, and then Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue get to high-five and go, it's your turn to take a shot at Connor Williams. I went back and looked. And I wanted to say, I feel like I've been on the Cowboys. The last six weeks, I'm 4-1-1 one, and one in picking Cowboys games. Mm. The one game I lost was the Eagles game because I was hoping the Eagles were going to beat the Cowboys that game. I look at this game of all the four, and it's the only matchup where I go... Even if one team, if one team's up big, I don't see the other team coming back. If the Chiefs are up big on the Colts, Colts can still come back, and obviously the other way around. Right. If the Chargers are up big on the Patriots, they're going to find a way, and we've seen the Chargers come back multiple times. Mm-hmm. I could see Nick Foles leading a comeback. I could see Drew Brees leading a comeback. But if the Rams are up fourteen nothing, the Cowboys are dead to rights, and because of that, I'm putting fifteen hundred and seventy. On the Los Angeles Rams. Oh my gosh. I love it. So many holes in your theory. It's awesome. So many holes in my theory. But here's the main reason I'm doing this. I have such an advantage in the coaching matchup in Sean McVay and Jason Garrett with one week off. I am absolutely afraid. What you said, if the Cowboys jump up to a lead, I would tear my ticket on my couch, and at halftime, I'm going to say, I'm fucked. Thanks for coming. I am playing a gambling game with you. I can't do 400 on every game. I need to find a market inefficiency where I can attack and get a huge lead. And I believe that taking a home team against a very simple team uh, with a Rams team that has speed and I also believe has more elite players yeah when i well, watch i don't know about that i, I understand what yeah. you're saying like close. I, but when i i, I a lot I, of elite guys on this field i also just i look at this cowboys team and i can see a deflation possibly coming but the other thing that really got me was watching that rams niners game and watching how the rams handle turnovers it's they are an aggressive team. Yeah. And if Aqib Talib or Marcus Peters or one of those linebackers take something to the house, Dallas could be dead. Dallas could be done. Sure. Because then it's Dak sitting back there trying to throw the whole time. I just it's the only matchup where I went, if it goes my way early, it's over. Could be certainly. Could be. All right, now poke holes in my theory. And well, are you are you scared or are you excited that I made this bet? I, I actually feel really good about this one. So, awesome. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, I think. Before you go, Josh, how do you feel? I think it's great content. Uh, That's why I, I steered it this direction. It, it, Josh know. was winking at me the entire time. <laughs> no, I. Um, where do, I mean, what, you know, hey, listen, Jared Goff was the issue of why they lost last year. So that's a question mark. It's my biggest. But fear. we'll see, right? You know what I mean? The fact that I I'm think, betting on my doppelganger scares the crap right, out of me. I think Dallas is a front running team, and they feel like they're indestructible right now. So that's just the way that they're. But do you see what I'm saying? Where I, it's like if Aaron I Donald creates havoc, that the front runner turns into fear immediately. I get you. Now, your 49ers point. Oh, of course. Rams are playing something. I know, I know. 49ers weren't. They played the Cardinals before that. All right. My other thing, this would be probably one of the biggest things why I just can't imagine it being a blowout. With big, hulking teams, the Rams struggled all year. And that's yeah. what the Cowboys are. The Eagles, the Bears, the games against the Seahawks were close because they couldn't stop the running game. Yeah. So that's what I worry about. But it is playoff football, and it's going to be a little different, and they've had extra time to prepare. So maybe they do things. Last thing I would say, too, is they just haven't been playing a lot of man-to-man lately. But, I, listen, Lefko, I mean, we've also seen Dak do stupid things in some big moments, not being able to put a team away or dominating early like the Tennessee yes. Titans game. And he threw and being up like 7-0. Inter- right, and threw two interceptions while they were on like the five-yard line. So those are all scary. I mean, the, I, really, I don't know what to say. I, 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 I don't agree with you, but we'll see I how felt, it plays out. I felt the most confident because... What did you say a score? I didn't do a score. Oh. I, I, nice burp. Thanks. It's To me, it's the Sean McVay. It's it's we're in this coaching cycle where if you've been around Sean McVay, you get a head coach, mm-hmm. and he's had like three weeks. He's rested Todd Gurley all this time, um, even though that kind of backfired last year in the playoffs. I just have to imagine that Sean McVay is going to go. I know what the weaknesses of my team are, yeah. and I can find a way to manipulate this defense. Sure. Um, Am I confident? I'm not that confident, but I'm not confident in any four of these games. I, I, I think you. I think any team can win any four of these games. Mm-hmm. It was just the one game where if it went my way early, because I, I just think Dallas can pack it in. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's move on to Sunday. It'll be fun Saturday to watch. night, man. Saturday night. Twelve hundred comes and, down to no, Saturday night. Thirteen hundred and sixty. No, no, no. No. Twenty three hundred sixty on right. one game. Right. Yep. That's where we are. Yep. All right, guys, Sunday will be done. Your, your, your comment about the hulking teams, though, yeah. is undoubtedly the thing that scares so, me most. But uh, you're right. But again, your McVeigh point about he's had a week off and try to figure out his own weaknesses and what they wanted to do to hide those, that's, that's you a were just point. so disappointed in the Cowboys game planning last week. Yeah. That, that I, just, I almost take it as a positive is really probably the thing that because I think they're going to look at that game and go, we won and. We got to do more this week, and we didn't even play our best last week. So we'll see. Well, you would know Jason Garrett and his philosophy more than yeah. me. I feel like they said we were up ten with eighty seconds left. We had that game. Yeah. We were fine, right. and we were able to push around Seattle. Yeah. Um, have they ever faced Aaron? Don- yeah, they did. The Rams went into last Cal- year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, Sunday, 105, the Chargers visiting the Patriots weather in Foxborough on Sunday. Talk about it. Ooh, a.m. clouds, p.m. sun, high of 29 degrees, Ooh. low of 17. I was on a weather website this morning looking mainly at the Chiefs, Colts, and the Chargers, Patriots. Right. And it looks so cold for the Patriots game, <laughs> like like bitter. Yeah. Like, like it was to the point where I'm reading weather reports that are like, if you're a fan, it might not be best to go to this game. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, Spread that, that is, is awesome. I love watching football like that. New England minus four. New England minus four. All right. Um, 
I guess we'll start out. What side should I start out with, Lefko? Start off with the um, Tom Brady versus the Chargers defense. Okay. Um, That's the better matchup. It is the better. Yeah, you're right. It's the pro- it is the better matchup. Um, the Chargers, they line up in the same defense almost all game long. They might change a little personnel out here or there, but they all line up in the same spot about 95% of the time, okay? Um, that's that. I, I look at that aspect of it, first of all, and that scares me for the Chargers a little bit just because I just go, damn, it's you know Josh and Bill, and they've had extra time to tinker with this, and they've found ways to you know screw Seattle and, and that team in the Super Bowl. So they have, they have great understanding of the defense in general. Um, the the run game for the Patriots, that's where it starts, everybody. The Patriots are a running football team, so it's not about Brady and Gronk. It's really about I running the football, so and if they can have success there, that's where we'll start to see the success of Brady, Gronk, and Edelman from there. Um, the Chargers are undoubtedly the faster team on the field when it's their defense versus the Patriots' offense. Now, the differences between the, the, the run game of the Patriots – and what, let's say the Ravens do last week. First of all, the Patriots are a big football team as well, but their O-line is not like Baltimore. No. It's big, but their interior O-linemen are more athletic-based. They're kind of stout, athletic-based guys. Is it fair to say that Tra- Trent Brown makes us think their offensive line is big because he's so manic? Exactly. But the rest, but like their center like is not big at all. Yeah, it, no, he's not. And he's Thune's tiny. not real big. No. And Shaq Mason's just like a compact He's a fire hydrant. He's a fire hydrant, right. Now, to your Trent Brown point, huge man, I do worry about him. Because with speed, he's a little bit slow on foot. And I mean, we talked about Melvin Ingram having the game of his life last weekend and Joey Bosa. I mean, they're freaks of nature. That's where the game plan will start for New England, like, like we said on Wednesday. The first thing they are going to do is go, how do we not let Ingram and Bosa ruin the game? So that's where it goes from there, and then they build out from there. Uh, I do think that the Patriots' run game, even though looking more traditional, is more advanced and will run into better looks that they want to run the ball into than, let's say, a Baltimore Ravens. So I think they're going to have enough success running the ball that's going to put the Chargers in a bind. And then the big thing that's a difference between the Patriots' run game and the Baltimore run game is the Patriots have a plethora of play-action passes off of that. And the Patriots are the kings of slowing down fast defenses with wide receiver screens and running back screens and all those things to take away that natural aggressiveness. So I see that being a factor in there. Um I do think Derwin James can match up against a Gronk in big situations and man-to-man and give them time. I think if this, you know, if they get to third and six or seven, it's advantage Chargers. That'll be a big third and six or more will be advantage Chargers because of the pass rush and because I think they can cover New England. New England has deficiency as a receiver. Edelman's not the same guy. Gronk's not the same guy. Chris Hogan's not the same guy. The Chargers will be able to play man if they want to dabble in that, which they don't like to live in it, but they will dabble. Um, Now, to flip it over to the other side. Cold weather. Philip Rivers' arm has looked weak lately. We talked about on the Wednesday podcast that the I thought the Chargers receivers have looked slow for the last few weeks. My theory is that they run a lot of deep routes all year long in practice and their legs have finally caught up to them and they're tired. Love that theory. There's a... So random. They are a ton... The, the Patriots... You know, I'm sitting here looking at the teams right now. Other than the Cowboys, 
the Patriots have the best secondary, I think, left as far as just pure cover man-to-man type guys. Right? Isn't that funny? I know. I mean, because J.C. Jackson is a budding star, and Stephon Gilmore is one of the best corners in football, and then you got the two McCourty twins, Devin... Jason. Jason's the nickel guy, Devin's the safety, yes. and I think we think he's healthy, right? Yeah. Um, I worry about, like I said on the Wednesday podcast, about, okay... We don't. First of all, Melvin Gordon. That's going to be an issue. Is he going to be healthy, ready to oh, go? Because time. they need to run the ball to keep the Patriots honest a little bit. I worry about the Chargers' offense in general because it has sputtered down the stretch. It really has sputtered. I mean, they were outplayed in the last week, last game of the year against the Denver Broncos. They were outplayed. They were just fortunate to win that game. Really, the Broncos screwed it up. If you go back and watch it, the Broncos really kind of dominated the game in the first half. The the other thing. Um, yeah, so I worry about them being that way. Oh, and then the other thing is this. You know, I worry about Eckler on third and six plus. because you talked about that blocking Because, right, the big linebackers, all of those things. How do the Patriots match up against the receivers? It's something everybody needs to watch. Because when it becomes third and six plus, I'm just intrigued, and I don't know the answers to these. So let's just talk it out. Like, what are they going to do? How are they going to match up? I would imagine it would go... J.C. Jackson, Mike Williams, or Keenan Allen? I was going to say th- Mike Williams. I think he would go Mike Williams. I think he's really good with big physical guys. Like what he did to Juju was fantastic. I think that's exactly. And then I think and they look at Tyrell. Mike as their 50 50 guy. Right. So I think that could be Gilmore or Jay. J.C. and Gilmore right. are both They're big both guys. Right. You know what I mean? So I think, I think they is will Gilmore match up. faster, though? I don't know. It's close. I feel like either of them would give Keenan Allen a shitload of problems. I, I think the size thing, though, at least in my – and you you might be right. I, I don't know here. I'm trying to talk it out almost in my own way here. I would think they go J.C. and Gilmore on the two Williams. And then I imagine them going Chung McCourty or McCourty twins on Keenan. on Keenan in any certain situation. Because no, you know you know the Patriots really well, and they love to double the main guy and put their better guys on two and three. I, I think so. I don't You've think they're going to want to waste their best guys on a guy that doesn't really go deep or can have let up big plays. Like Keenan Allen's the middle of the field option, right. good route runner. Yeah, guy. let Chung be physical, right. and McCourty over let the top, McCourty, exactly. and then McCourty can cheat on the other guy. They, they can get in by. and out them, do all those things. So that will be the element I watch. Yeah, for people that haven't been listening to us for a number of years, Sims would say during the Darrell Rivas Patriots years that, that when Brandon Browner was good and yeah. not committing crimes, right. that they would put him and sort of shade a safety to the number one receiver and then use Rivas to completely erase the number, the number two. two. Yes, Because if it's all number one, a lot of teams are going to game plan for that and focus on the number two. Right. But then when you look over and go, damn. Yeah. Revis is on our number two. Right. So the Patriots have always done that. Yeah, yeah. They're the masters of that. So that will be a, something to watch out for, for sure. Um, at the end of the day, I am putting $10 on the New England Patriots. And that means seven ninety is on either the Saints or the Eagles. Go I think Sox. the Patriots. Go Sacks. Hey, that's a wicked hot chowder. Wicked hot chowder. Okay. Chargers don't like chowder. I'm going Patriots 23-17. So what's really funny is when Rivers lost to New England in the play- playoffs, it was 21-12. Mm. When they lost last year in that game, it was 21-13. Oh, uh, you're right. So right around there, you're right in the same place. I went back and watched last year's game. Yeah. Chargers didn't fall for anything. Anthony Lynn and their coaching staff and Gus Bradley. They're good. They had it diagnosed, and it was perfect. Uh, man, there were some big plays in that game. You had Melvin Gordon with an 80-plus yard touchdown run to give the Chargers a 7 nothing lead. Right. 
Right. You had Travis Benjamin getting a safety on a punt return, which turned into five points because the Patriots got a field goal after that. Deion Lewis had a huge kickoff return to start the second half, gave the, the Patriots the ball like in the 40 of the Chargers. And Malcolm Butler at the end of the game when the when the Patriots were up like like 11 or 12, got burned on a touchdown uh, that the Chargers had. But the Chargers did not get their offense going the entire game. They, they, they couldn't get Melvin Gordon going. Uh, Phillip Rivers couldn't get anything going. The Patriots had the Chargers numbers on offense then, too. Right. Patriots really dominated that game. Good job going back to that. And I kind of, for all this time, thought the Chargers dominated. But yeah. really, it was just a few big plays that made me think that. Since that last game, though... I think the Chargers' defense is a lot better. Uh, there was no Derwin James back then. Right. Uh, I think the Chargers' offensive line is much better. I think that the Chargers' running backs and wide receivers, though, are a lot more banged up. Uh, I think Mike Williams is more seasoned, but Benjamin had speed in that game. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't seen that speed in a number yes. of weeks right. to what you're saying. Right. I also think the Patriots' weapons are a lot worse. There's no more Deion Lewis. Gronk did not look the way he does now, the way he did then. Yeah, right. Uh, Chris Hogan was firing on all cylinders. Yep. And I could see Chris Hogan making a comeback. Sure. Rex Burkhead looked a lot better there. But I would also say the Patriots' secondary is a lot better. The Chargers on the road this year have been dominant away from home lately. Not only have they been 7-0 and straight up and against the spread in road games since the start of October, they've outscored their opponents on the road by an average of 10 points per game over the seven contests, winning by an average score of 27-17. I looked it up. Tom Brady at home in the divisional round of the playoffs is 11-1. and one. Mm. They've won seven in a row by an average of 17 points. Only loss is what, the Jets wrecked Ryan? That was the eighth game, yeah. Right. But they're in the stretch, the closest game of those seven straight wins was four to the Ravens, mm. and that's our spread in this yeah. game. Yeah. Difference between this Chargers team and that Ravens team is I believe the Chargers are faster than that Ravens team. I believe the Ravens are more physical than this Chargers team. And I also thought they had a coach that wasn't afraid to do crazy stuff. Anthony Lynn is a coach to me that would rather play it by the book yeah. and say we're more physical than do a crazy play. I agree. I don't think that's good. Because I think the Patriots are going to do a flea flicker in this game. I think they're going to do an Edelman pass. They know they're not as talented as the Chargers. Belichick's about to throw it all out there. I, he's going to well, do they what they always do. He's going to do what Saban did in the championship game, except it's going to be good plays because Belichick expects to be the slower team in the field. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think Saban's like, let me just make sure that we can't just push around Clemson. Mm -hmm. Belichick's like, I. I'm not that crazy. Here are my perfect game flows. The perfect Chargers game flow is Ingram Bosa are getting around the edge and they're getting after Brady and they're getting some three and outs early. The secondary is not afraid of the Patriots' weapons. They get right up there. They're jamming because really, Mike Davis should not be afraid of Edelman. Derwin James should not be afraid of Gronk. No. Who's the wide receiver? that you should be afraid of for the Patriots. Right. The only one that I, I'm afraid of is the the James Whites of the world and sort of some misdirections. Cordaro. Cordaro. Yeah. Rivers works uh, uh, Gordon 
and the wide oh Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Gordon and the wide receivers and their deep shots and 50-50 balls to Benjamin and Mike Williams hit. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect game flow for the Chargers. Perfect game flow for the Patriots is they keep the Chargers pass rush off balance. There's trick plays and misdirection, and they also establish the run. And the Chargers are sitting there going, They've hit us early with misdirection, and now they're pounding us in the face with Sony Michelle, and we can't tee off on it. Rivers is under pressure, makes some mistakes, where if you're going to be honest, he's made a lot of mistakes early in games. Mm-hmm. The offensive weapon for the Chargers just aren't able to make plays. And when I thought about it, and I thought about the Tom Brady being 11-1 and at home in the divisional round and the fact that it's going to be in the 20s in New England and the, the Chargers are feeling high after beating up the Ravens. I'm going with the Patriots, and I'm putting $10 on the Patriots minus four just because when I look at the Patriots, it's a collection of good decisions. It's the field goal at the end of the first quarter and the field goal at the end of the third quarter and Anthony Lynn thinking he's got to go for it at, at the Patriots 40 on fourth and one that over time puts Phillip Rivers in a hole and he's got to come back. But the difference between a Chiefs hole and a Patriots hole is that the Patriots also get those little points where the hole is 14. Right. And it's and they're dropping back and they know exactly what you want to do. I also think to really giving you credit, you were one of the first people saying that the Patriots secondary is really good. And I think that the the Chargers really rely on just outclassing your secondary. Yeah, they do. And All I right. think they're outclassed. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting ten dollars on the Patriots. All right. All right, guys, moving on you Sunday have no more afternoon. Money, right? so you're going $10 yeah, this exactly. game. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles on the road visiting the New Orleans Saints. Weather New in New Orleans. New Orleans Saints. Uh, weather in New Orleans, just in case you care, 56 degrees, partly cloudy on Sunday. Spread in this game is New Orleans minus eight, Chris. Okay, here we go. All right, let's go back to game one. Okay, let's do this real quick, all right? I'm just letting you know I did not watch that game. Okay, on I did, so that's good. Here we go. We're a team. Um. Okay, I'm just gonna rattle off stuff here, right? Okay, because I wrote notes in my phone, and that's did you text the, them to your wife. I, I did. Wifey, wifey's got a lot of football text. She's probably getting off. Uh, she's taking horseback riding lessons right now. She's probably getting off. Going. Your oh, wife no. is. She's been doing that. Yes, she wanted to be able to ride with Charlotte, so they're they're doing horseback riding. Gosh, yeah. what a life. Uh, seriously. <laughs> okay, here we go. Thoughts. I'm just going to throw them all out there. First of all, at the first meeting, the Eagles couldn't even line up on defense. Okay? I, I mean, that was the common theme throughout the whole game. The Saints snapping the ball and the Eagles looking at each other going, He's going to pick the Eagles. They're doing this the whole game. And they're like, oh, you got him or I got him or what? What the hell is it? So many bad moments like that. You know, again, the Eagles are healthier now, right? You go, You look at that part of it and go – They've made tweaks with their personnel. Our Trey Sullivan's out there. Jernigan's out there. So they don't have to play Nada very much anymore because Nada was a huge weakness in that football game. Okay? LeBlanc had just got there. That's so funny that Nada was a weakness. He was a weakness. Yeah, no, It's over for Nada. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's just, just sad. I know. It is sad because he was such a big he, hulking he, dude I hope forever. people understand how good he was in the beginning of Baltimore. No no doubt about it. Uh, he I was got, Fletcher I Cox. I got to see him in his first game ever starting in the NFL, and I remember going to the center. He was one of those guys where when I would get underneath the center, I would go – can my center actually snap me the ball and still 
block him? He looked like a guy that if you looked across the line, his face filled the entire helmet. Like it looked like it was like I couldn't focus out. on it too much because I was too shit scared of Ray Lewis that was three feet behind him where I was and looking why, at Ray all the time. And that's why he didn't look at Ed Reed because he had not at <laughs> right. Ray Lewis and was like, and oh crap. And Suggs and Chris McAllister. Man, that D was good. Okay, LeBlanc had just got there. Trey Sullivan wasn't even playing at safety yet. Okay, are trying out Josh Adams you know, running back. Right, Avante Maddox. Um, he got hurt early on in that football game, and he wasn't what he was then as he is now. Okay, the Saints whooped the crap out of the Eagles. That was one of the. Wor- I mean, obviously the score showed that. Yeah, we know. But I, but I don't. I'm not even. This is more about the score. The Eagles. I, I don't know. Mark you know, Ingram ran all over them. It was they. They got beat up worse in that game than I can ever remember in any game. Through a two-year stretch. Now, the reason that all the major media networks were going, is this the worst Super Bowl team in the second year ever? Right. Because we'd never seen that before. There was a lot of moving parts there. Um, So that was an issue, okay? Um, They lost that battle up front. Um, Where where do I want to go here? Okay. Uh, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox probably had one of his worst games I've ever seen him have. He got Mm. pushed around, like, a number of times. The other thing to take into a food account? To what? me. Food to account. Oh, food to account. Yeah. Into account or food for thought. These are double I have another again. one because I just looked it up. Go. You, I was going to say, I'm looking at the snap counts. Jason Kelsey played six snaps in that game. They had to play Wisniewski and Samalo at center. Yes. Is that what you were going to yes, say? Yes, that's where I was going. So there was injuries. You guys were not the same team. That's the first thing you have to say. Added to the fact you just came off a slugfest with the Dallas Cowboys, mm. and the Saints just came off a scrimmage versus the Bengals. Okay, so they were fresh. You guys were beaten down, and again, everybody goes through their peaks and valleys of the season. The Saints were at that time; they were rolling, right? Rolling. It was rolling. It was like, damn, they're just mowing down everybody in their fat path. That was obviously the worst part of your football season as a Philadelphia Eagle. You guys were in the lowest of the valleys you've been in in the Doug Peterson era. Okay, um, the Eagles. Oh, not as diverse. Uh, uh, then, as it is now, you're doing more of the play calling. I don't know if it's the Doug Peterson factor like we talked about. Tate had just got there. They haven't really figured that out. Darren Sproles, of course, was not out there. I was talking to my dad about this last night, right. and it made me have a theory. Doug Peterson was applauded last year for working so much with Filippo and Frank Reich and, and sort of having this offensive room where it was like a commingled assortment of offenses. And I really think that losing Frank Reich so late in the process and then also losing Filippo and promoting Grow and Deuce Staley into those positions, hard. I think Doug Peterson went, we're going to do the same thing. Grow, Deuce, we're all going to do it together. Right. I don't know if you agree with me, but watching Doug on the sideline these last few weeks, yeah. it's Doug's offense right now. I, I think so. I feel like he yeah. looked at those and went, Frank Reich was an OC for years. T. Filippo was an OC in Cleveland, and I'm giving these guys that have not called plays right. as much respect as them. Right. And I feel like Doug took it all back. Yeah, that's my theory I, with what happened I, this I season. I think uh, that would be my theory as well. I, I don't know exactly when that happened, but I think it happened sometime here in the last month, right, to where it just changed around. And I, I mean, we've been talking about how the play callings change a little bit, all of those things. So, um, so there's that. Okay, now, um, you know, listen. The defense just fell apart in the football game. There's no other way to say it. You know, it's 17-7, to 7, okay? This is what I wanted you to and watch. And you guys are 
at the midfield point, still being dominated, but having a chance to stay in the and game. On fourth and six, he throws a deep ball that's uncatchable. That was that was even before this. So it's that's already happened. All right, that's already happened. So I'll tell you, it's seventy to seven, and they have fourth down at midfield. I'm going. The Eagles are in this game. Yes, it's right. That's the fourth down at midfield, and he's got an open receiver. And uh, I, if I just want to make sure I got this right, I think it was Wentz kind of missed the snap. Was it that play? No, no, no. I'm wrong. That was later in the game. I can't remember how they missed this fourth down. I think he has an open receiver, and he gets hit as he's throwing it, and the ball doesn't go where he wants to. I'm sorry, I got so many damn plays in my head. Either way, I know there was there to be had. As I watched the game, I said, hmm, there were some people open. I'm not saying for like bombs, but they could have executed the offense, but it was always a mistake. Somebody's open, oh, Wentz gets hurt right as he throw it. Or, you know, somebody's open again, and just the whole pocket collapses. Whatever it may be, there was all, it was a very poorly played football game by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, okay, so let me just make this up. So now it's 17-7, to 7, okay? They're at midfield. I wrote this down, thank God. All right. O-line got dominated two plays in a row. Saints got the ball, went down, and made it 24-7 because your defense couldn't do anything. Halftime, get the ball back, touchdown, 31 seconds. Exactly right. You guys got the ball with 30 seconds left and a half backed up. You didn't do anything. They got the ball back. Now, So now you were down 17-7, and the next time the Eagles offense came on the field, it was 31-7. Game over. Checkmate. See ya. Got to go. So that was that. I think that's the thing I look at. It's it's not even fair to really even say that's the same Eagles team. It's just not. the, The Eagles have... Figured out what they want to do offensively. We talked about the injuries, the health matters, all of that. But it's still the Saints, and they're at home, and they are the most complete team in football, and there's no weaknesses. And that's where I look at this game. So at the end of the day, I'm going $790. Fly, Eagles, fly. Go fight, Eagles, fight, What's fight, fight for Eagles, fight for Chris Sims, because he wants to root with Adam, 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 Adam. Well, the good thing is I have so much in the Rams game that that's really what it's going to say. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, I, know, I was hoping you were going to be like with me or against me. What's on your that score? One. What's your score on the Eagles? I am going Saints 28, Eagles 24. So it's still an Eagles loss. It is an Eagles loss. Sorry, Eagles fans. Yep, but you feel it's going to be close. Who's going to jump out ahead? Um, I would think. Yeah, give that, me your game flow. Like, what's your predicted game flow? I think the Eagles will jump out. I think the Eagles are going to come out. You know, this is what I always worry about: the team in the bye who hasn't played at the end of the regular season. One team's been in a bar fight for the last five weeks and been like, "Put your dukes up, we're going outside and get a fight," and the other team has been like. Man, we're so awesome. We don't have to fight in these bar fights. I'm just going to sit out here. You guys figure it out, and I'll fight the champion because I'm over here sipping pina coladas. To that point. And that worries me. That's my – I reacted on Wednesday's podcast to the Sean Payton 225 with fear. And I thought about it last night, and it's completely turned in my mind. Why? Because I watched interviews with Mark Ingram and Sheldon Rankins talking about how great of a motivator Sean Payton is. He really knows how to like push all our buttons and get ready. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, Sean Payton just told them that we're going for a Super Bowl. The Eagles are going, they fucking are looking past us. They're looking at the fucking Super Bowl. Right. If I was Doug Peterson, 
I'm bringing $225,000 into the locker room, and I'm setting it on fire. And last year's Super Bowl trophy. And I'm setting, <laughs> the, I'm setting the money on fire. Dude, don't ever set that much money on fire. I'm setting it on fire. Somebody will beat his ass in that line. Fletcher Cox might go over to Doug Peterson and be like, Hey, coach, you're having crazy. <laughs> I just think if, like, if I'm going into, like, if I was Sean Payton the motivator, right. I'm, bringing tw- I'm bringing a box. Like, I saw the Cavaliers, when they won the championship, right. they had a puzzle. And it was each time you get a win, you add a piece to the puzzle. In the end, the puzzle was the Larry O'Brien trophy, and isn't that wonderful? If I'm Sean Payton, I'm taking $25,000, i am putting it in a box. I'm going, you win this game, you get $25K. I, I just, like, looking at the players, and they're like, we're just ready to make a run, and we're ready to do all this stuff. And it was actually so beneficial because the Eagles get to sit there and go, more underdog. They think they're winning the Super Bowl. They're not even thinking about you. And I, I think that the Eagles... Or they could even take it as they're scared. And look, they're trying to motivate. I mean, there's, Right, there's right. Other I just I came away from that and I was like, you know what? The Eagles are the bar fight team. Yes. The Eagles are the, like, if you're in a dog fight, are the Saints going to be sitting there going, guys, we got to play for 225000 Like, is that really going to motivate them later? No. Like, they're, like, they're going to be sitting there being like, shit, we were supposed to win the Super Bowl. And the Eagles are going, I'm winning this play. I don't know. Am I crazy? Is that too much fan No, speak? it's not. There, it, it, all those emotions could be very real here. I mean, these are all hypotheses. We don't know where it could go, certainly. I, I, I get that. But no, it's not fan speak. Those are real emotions that are going to run like, through players. How would you feel if you were an eagle and you heard the 225 uh, Lombardi thing? Yeah, I would have turned it into like kind of something like I said. Like, look, guys. They're they're gotta find extra motivation to play us. Well, that's right what now. Doug Peterson said. Right, he said the playoffs are motivation enough. Exactly. So that's where he I would, motivates his player apparently with ice cream. That would I if I would Doug Peterson, I'd be going, hey, listen, you know that was cool. Sean Payton did that, all that. We know that we're not afraid to fight anybody. I mean, that's all we used to talk about last year. And a brawl in the NFL, the Eagles definitely would have been the last team standing and just fist fights. Like, oh, we're yes. gonna all do a thirty-two. Down. They're a big Lane Johnson, football team. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Brooks. But if all I'm those Doug guys. Peterson, right. I'm playing it off going, look at this, guys. Sean Payton's scared. The other thing is, is I said this at the end of the podcast yesterday. I'm going to say it today. I have become Saints public enemy number one. <coughs> if Excuse the me. Eagles win this game, yep. I promise to the Sims and Lefko fans, I will be ruthless. If the Eagles lose... It's going to get. It's ruthless. going to get really bad, <laughs> to the point where I got this tweet from. Let's have Mark. fun with it if that does happen next week. Well, because here's why we're going to need to. Yeah. Mark Stevens twenty one underscore tweeted at me forty one minutes ago. Ooh. I mean this in complete seriousness. Don't step foot in this city. Don't slander my quarterback. We will, in all capital letters, stab you. Wow. I just got that on Twitter 40 minutes ago. Is that like, doesn't Twitter police on that stuff? The thing that I'm trying to say is <laughs> no. Of no? All, You're allowed to threaten people to of stab all them? All the fan bases in the NFL, I have said crap about all of them, but none of them take it like Saints fans. And I'm just saying. Come on. What's his name? Who cares? There's, that's just stupid uh, by what him. You, what I do is Come I on. retweeted it and then I let the internet handle All it. All right. But that's that's what's so interesting about this yeah. is this is a Saints team and a fan base that believes it's their time. Yeah. And I get it. 
I, they have the team. They get to play at home. They have the second best coach in the NFL. They have a quarterback that's not going to be faced by anything. They have a receiver that can win a 50-50 ball against anyone. They have Alvin Kamara who can outrun anybody. When you don't like that, Mark Ingram can pound it in your face. They might have the number one offensive line in the NFL. They have three first-round picks on their defensive line, and all of them are really, really good. They have a linebacking core that is solid and a corner that can man-to-man on anybody, and did I mention their home field advantage is crazy. Mm -hmm. They can be amazing. But there's something about this Eagles team that loves this situation. And I am putting $10 on the Philadelphia Eagles plus eight. Last thing I forgot to mention, too. Just sorry. Are you picking them to win the game? Um... What? You can't give that speech. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, thank yes, you. yes. Thank you. Sure. I, I, I really am just superstitious. So Yeah, yeah I hear you. I hear you. Dude, the amount hey, of people Saints that fans, I have... Don't worry. I'm going to have fun with Lefko, too. I'm going to join the party and crap on him. So don't worry. And we'll... As long as you're Saints fans, as long as you're not threatening to kill my co-host here, okay? I, we'll read them next week and have fun with them. But let's not cross the line. To the Saints fans that have listened to us for a long time, uh, everything on this show is good fun. Yeah. Like, I've interviewed Drew Brees numerous times. I think he's a great guy. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, if I will, we will, that's a good point. If whatever your best insults of me are, right. I will read them if you win. That's right. Just don't cross the line. And oh, this is the last fact. I uh, like being insulted. I find it very funny. Right. I would love to be at a roast. I, I hear you. Um the Eagles played. This is the other issue with the game. The For Eagles, who? The, the in the Saints' first matchup, the Eagles played man to man in that game, like locked down man to man. Like I would say, eighty five percent of the time, you guys don't really do that anymore, and that I think bodes well in your favor. Just to keep the game closer and everything, I'm saying that way. Oh, because I would say the I don't play know why that, you the, guys the played play man that to I man. remember the most. It was either what made it 31-7 or 24-7 was when Drew Brees just kind of lobbed it down the right sideline, and I was like, "Why are you playing this coverage? There's no safety help." And I, I it ended up being I think the one you're talking about is an incomplete pass, and there was two receivers open down the right. Like one was on the seam and one wasn't. They were both open, and Brees kind of missed the throw. I think that's the one you're talking about. But yes, it was way too much man. Uh, and they were, you know, outclassed that way. And you're, you guys don't play man like that anymore. I'm glad. Yeah. All right. So again, if you're coming to Atlanta, I just had a cousin hit me up that says he wants to go to Super Bowl weekend. How does he get tickets? Cousin I've been Lefko. getting emails during the show that I'm just answering everybody. Email right now. Sims and Lefko at gmail.com. Uh, say which day you want to come to. Tuesday podcast at five. Wednesday podcast at five. Thursday show at six. Friday podcast at four thirty. Um, we're gonna be hanging out beforehand probably hanging out a little bit afterwards we're gonna have like two or two probably guests every night which is gonna be a lot of fun and we're just gonna be shooting the shit and it's gonna be super bowl week and 1942 drinking 1942 on On bleacher reports tab nothing three limes uh let me just recap these really quick eat that we are messed up my spreadsheet we are both going indianapolis plus five and a half we are both taking new england minus four we are both taking philadelphia plus eight we are in agreement of three of the four. Uh, Sims is putting 790 on the Eagles plus eight, which is fantastic for me as an Eagles fan. It just makes me feel good. But there is a $2,300 difference. It all comes down to Saturday night. Dallas at the Rams. Sean McVay, if you can do anything, destroy Dallas. And if Jared Goff poops his pants... 
I'm going to be at home in the fetal position. It all comes down to that. Love you guys. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Four Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. And I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Eagles man. How was my Eagles song? Did you like my words there? It was great. Okay. Anytime you punch and do the Eagles cheer, you're part of the tribe. <laughs> Not as good as my homie, but it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> we will holla, holla, holla at you guys later. Be well. Talk to you soon.